Welcome to the Cross Loganville's podcast channel. Thanks for joining us as we continue our series on Essentials, Foundations of Christianity. Well, good morning. Good to see you guys. We're going to continue our series that we started a few weeks back, Essentials, the ABCs of the Faith. And over the last uh, a couple months, we've been talking about the foundational truths that I believe, based on Scripture, God wants us to build our lives on. So we've talked about the importance of biblical salvation, baptism, assurance, lordship, the importance of the Bible, the Word of God, prayer, uh, a variety of things. If you've missed any of our conversations and uh, talks, you can go to thecrossloganville.org online, access all of our messages. Last week, we got into a conversation about witnessing. Uh, Patrick Newton, Dustin Wilbanks uh, joined me as we talked about God's call on our lives uh, to be his witnesses to Loganville and beyond. Acts 1.8 says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses. This is the declaration from uh, God that you'll be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, even to the remotest parts of the earth. And we just talked about how God has called us all uh, to be uh, in the world as salt and light, declaring the good news of the gospel, that we're to sanctify Christ as Lord in our lives, always being ready to give an answer for the hope that we have. We're to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. That's the mandate and call that God has placed on our lives. Uh, we talked last week about how God has called you to be a witness and not a lawyer, which takes a lot of pressure off of you because a witness declares, here's what's happened to me. Uh, we're not looking for necessarily uh, all of our people to become lawyers where they have to be able to defend all the claims of theology when it comes to hermeneutics or homiletics or apologetics or eschatology. And you're like, oh, I don't even know what those words are. It's cool. I'm just saying you can be a witness. Uh, you can be a witness. And so uh, God gives the word to all of us collectively. You're my witnesses. Acts chapter 1. A few months after the declaration of this, uh, a guy by the name of Saul, you pick up his story in Acts chapter 9, Saul was a Pharisee, he was the MVP of the Jews, he probably had more accolades and trophies than anyone of his day, you can read his biographical sketch in Philippians 3, uh, he was a stud, he was tutored and mentored by the greatest mind of that day, a guy by the name of Gamaliel, Saul encounters Christ on the Damascus Road, and he's radically transformed. When you read his story, he goes from this uh, antagonist uh, person to becoming an apologist. God changes his name from Saul, meaning requested and admired, to Paul, which means little one. God changed him and gave him a different assignment. He went from being a persecutor of the way, the Christians, to a proclamator of defending the way. And uh, amazing things happen with this guy. Years later, as God was kind of massaging his story and now Paul's life, he begins to write what we have as the majority of the New Testament. One of the books he wrote and one of the letters he wrote was to a church, a group of people in an area called Rome. And we call the book the book of Romans. But he wrote this letter after he had spent some time uh, sharing the gospel in a lot of different areas. He writes to these believers in Rome to let them know that we're justified through faith in Christ and nothing else. And uh, he really combats this whole thing that you've got to live by the flesh and you've got to live by the law to be pleasing to God. And he goes, no, the righteous man shall live by faith in Christ. Even Abraham was applauded because he was righteous. In that dialogue in Romans chapter 1, uh, the apostle Paul now, we call him, he writes, this, he writes this statement. 
He goes, I want y'all to know that based on what God has done in my life, I know I'm a witness. I'm to sanctify Christ as Lord in my life. Listen to this. Romans chapter 1, beginning with verse 14, he makes this statement. He goes, I am under obligation to all men now to share the gospel. To those who are wise, to those who are foolish, to those who have been brought up in Judaism, to those who are just Gentiles and lost, I'm under obligation. And then he says, um, I'm eager. I'm eager to share Christ. I'm eager to share the gospel. Gospel, good news of God, the good news of Christ. And then he says in verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is God's power unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. I'm not ashamed of it. Man, as a young believer, I memorized Romans chapter 1, verses 14 through 16. Because I really felt like God had called us all to be witnesses, to take the gospel, make disciples. But I was like, man, he's, he's called us to be indebted to all people now since we know Christ. And he's called us to be eager, and he's called us to not be ashamed. And so my son Benji and Jeff Gwynn are going to engage in conversation with us today. But Benji, probably about four or five years ago, you, uh, you went out and got Romans 1, verse 16, tattooed on your arm. Well, there it is for everybody to see. Uh, what would compel you to put that on your arm? Now you've got most of the Bible on your body, but it's a beautiful thing. But what would compel you to get Romans 1, 16? Why that verse, Benji? I want to break down a little bit. I want to start by addressing this and then... I really want to unpackage some stuff. The, the reason I got this originally was um, in 2014 when I surrendered my life to the Lord, I was in college, and I had gone through a whole year of completely rebelling against the Lord. Uh, during the transition into my second year there, I really surrendered, really fell on my face, just desperate. I mean, complete desperation for the Lord. And then going into the next year, I knew that I was in a time of transition, and the guys that I'd been raising hell with all year, the year before, were coming back, and they were going to expect the same thing of me. And so I started latching onto this verse and just praying through of having to grasp onto the fact of I'm not going to be scared. I can't be afraid or ashamed for what I'm placing my faith in. If I'm going to say this is what I believe in, it's got to be real. And, and so that was just, you know, kind of the reason behind that, but even just talking about being a witness, over the years, the Lord has really started to show me that no matter where we are, no matter what we do, um, like I was talking to Michael Esposito, our job is ministry, our vocation, how we do that varies, right? So I mean, I've gone from being, um, you know, playing collegiate ball to playing professional baseball to being in hotel locker rooms and hotel dinner rooms and, and little offices sharing the faith with all these guys and having Bible studies come in to being in contracting and praying over people in their homes to working in gyms now, um, doing CrossFit stuff and, and being able to minister wherever you go. And it was through Esposito where he's like, no, no, that's, you're called to minister. You're called to speak. We are obligated by our faith to proclaim the gospel. Where you do it and how you do it, it doesn't matter as long as that we call to do it. And so really being compelled over the last months and years of like, I'm not scared to do this. This isn't something to where 
if we walk out of the church and we don't go and we don't share our story and we don't breathe life into people and we're not encouraging and loving, it is simply because we're ashamed of what it is we claim to have a faith in. And probably if you're too scared to go out and do it, it's because you haven't surrendered because like Paul said, that once you surrender, you really feel the Holy Spirit and the power that is within you. There's no way that you don't want to tell somebody about the change that's going on in your heart. If it's that violent and if it's that real and if it's that desperate and that that full surrender to the Lord, you're not going to want to keep it in. And if you do, there's a great chance you might want to reassess a little bit about where your heart's at. The American church is something that is so, so just caused my soul anguish and frustration over the last months as I study. And I look deep within the church and I get so frustrated because I read in Acts, and in Acts it says that that when the Holy Spirit fell, their numbers were added to them daily by the hundreds and by the thousands. And they were going out and they were casting out demons and they were healing people. And that the church was growing and spreading. Not because they came in here on a Sunday morning and sat their butt in that chair and never walked outside the door and did anything about it. If it really is a heart change, if it is really something walking with the Lord that has really done something to your heart, there is no way we can sit in here and not do something about it. And it doesn't matter what you do or where you go. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be prip and pran and have a suit and polished up. It's going to be dirty and it's going to be raw and it's going to be exactly where you are. And that's all we got to do. We have tons of avenues of people in this church that are going out and giving us opportunities to go out and minister to the least of these, to speak and to pour life into people. An instance, um, just kind of a story that I want to share about recently is uh, I got a new job back in, in October, and within the first couple days, there was a guy that I work with, and it's very evident that he has, you know, he's no church background, nothing with the, fam- or, uh, with the faith, he doesn't really care anything about the Lord. Of all the stories of people I've heard, he's got one of, I mean, just one of the wildest pasts of people I've ever heard. Um, On paper, we are the complete opposite of each other. We have nothing in common. Um, And and, and in all reality, if if just looking face-to-face, it's like y'all shouldn't be able to get along. There shouldn't be any kind of connection. You're just work partners. And after a couple weeks of working there, I came up and I was I was walking around and he looked at me and he said, you know what, I got to tell you something. He said, you kind of piss me off. And he said, you piss me off because every time that I'm around you or that you're around me, I feel bad for what I say. And I don't know why because you never said anything about my mouth. You never said anything about the F-bombs or the GDs, whatever. He's like, but it pisses me off because I feel bad and guilty when I say it around you. And I was like, well, I know why. You don't know why. But I was like, we're going to get somewhere here. And so over the last weeks and months of now being there, he's very private. Um, He would tell you, he's like, I'm one of the loneliest people I know. I don't have friends. I don't have community. I don't talk to anybody other than maybe my mom or one other person. And he's like, I don't know why I feel compelled to open up and, and lay my story out. And week after weeks and months later, he just pours out his story. And he genuinely has become one of my closest friends over the last months that we're able to really pour into each other. He's opening up to me. And he's somebody who's been burned by Christians in the past. He's got a wild story of things that have happened to where he's like, I just don't, it just doesn't make sense to me. And, it's, and it, for some people and for him, it's like you almost can't blame the guy. But he's willing to open up. And so time and time again, showing up to the office, it's like, 
I don't know what we're going to do today. A lot of days I leave thinking nothing productive for work happened today. And the Lord reminds me of, yeah, but that conversation, that hour that he opened up to you, that hour that you were able just to lay the gospel out before him. And he thinks about it. And he comes back and he asks questions. And after a while, he's like, I just, I just don't know that I can believe it. I think there's a God. He's like, I've, there's been way too many opportunities in my past where I've tried to do things to myself or, or other people to where it's been halted. And I just know it's because I feel like people tell me that I got this divine whatever. And I was like, here's what I want you to do. I said, for one week, I want you to go and pray and say, God, if you really are real, and you can pray to, if God, if you're who Benji says you are, or whatever, then you got to reveal yourself to me in a way that only makes sense to me. I said, you got to pray that, it, I don't care what it is, I'm not going to tell you what to pray, I don't care, you got to pray for me to believe that X, Y, and Z has got to happen. He came back about a week later and he's like, it happened. He's like, this scenario we've been kind of talking through and he said, it happened. He goes, I just... I believe that there's a God, but I just, I don't know about this relationship thing. And I'm like, cool. And as I go home, I talk to Grace, I'm like, I don't feel like I'm necessarily at this job because that's going to be my career and I'm going to retire from this place. But I feel like the Lord's laid on my heart that that's why you're there. However long it takes, however long you're there, he's the reason that I want you there. And that's the reason why you're there. Right? Like, I got a job to do while I'm there and I have to provide for my family and I got to do this stuff. But that's the people that you're here for. Guys, it's got to be a heart transformation. If there's nothing walking out of these doors, then we really have got to do some serious introspection of our own heart because we've got to be compelled. We do have an obligation. It doesn't matter where you are. Some of the most phenomenal times of the Lord I've had is laying on a tattoo table and getting mentored over by the guy doing my ink for me, by being in gyms and being able to pray over people. I've had appointments canceled and things that were supposed to provide for our family not come in that day, but because that, oper or because that appointment got canceled, somebody else came in in their place and we were able to sit in the, uh, the office and they were pouring out their heart and crying and praying over them. It's waking up every day saying, Lord, I don't know where we're going to go today. I know what I have to do. I know generally the avenue where I have to pass through today. I don't know what's going to happen, but Holy Spirit, I am truly open and willing to just walk. If you prepare the way before me, I'll go. I don't have to know what it looks like. And a lot of the times, the things that happen throughout the day might seem as frustration because we're not patient enough to see it follow through throughout the day. Holy Spirit, I'm just, I'm ready. Like, wherever you want to take me today, I'm not going to be scared. I'm going to be open. I'm not going to be afraid. That's good. So, so one of our, uh, one, one of your best buddies uh, that you've known all your life, that I've known since he was in a car seat, he was in the first service today, and we still do life with him, but he broke, and he was just talking about how I, I've got to up my game. I can't keep going through the motions any longer. It's time to surrender, and was able to pray with him today, and uh to be able to walk with people. You never know at any given moment how God is using you. You don't. And you really don't have any clue at any given moment to know what the person you're hanging with is really going through. You, you, you don't. So Jeff is a plumber. And uh, you, you were sharing some stories about God's called us to be a witness, not ashamed of the gospel, and uh, getting prayed up before you even start a day. Share a few stories of how God has kind of worked in and through you with some of the crappy work you do. Good. That's good, Tim. <clears throat> well, first of all, 
before I even talk about any stories, I'm just, I was just now thinking about the value of each person. Each person is so valuable in God's eyes, we have no idea. And I was just thinking about uh, Luke chapter 15, when Jesus is talking about these parables about the lost coin, the lost sheep, the lost, the prodigal son. And it's not like the lost that's like abandoned lost. It's like a, a loss that there's value in something, in, in that thing. And Jesus is actually talking to the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, who were all about performance and didn't really know the living God the way that Jesus did. And Jesus was really frustrated with them, and so he was talking to them about the value of each person. And, uh, and, and so that's how, that's how we're supposed to look at each person with God's heart. And so I, you know, I just start my day. Sometimes I don't start my day in the Word seeking God, and I miss opportunities. But when I, when I really spend the time with the Lord in the mornings and I, I prep my heart to align myself with Him, okay, Lord, wherever you take me, Whatever service call I got, just let me be aware of what you're doing, you know. And it's amazing the power encounters that God's allowed me to have just as a basic, you know, plumbing service guy. And uh, one guy, just uh, remember a, a couple months ago, his name is Jim, had a, a mysterious plumbing leak, uh, couldn't figure out where it was. He sounds so stressed uh, on the phone when I was over there, going over there in the morning, opened the door. He just had such a stress look about him, uh, just kind of a darkness covering him. And uh, I was like, God, it's, it's, to me, it just doesn't seem like this plumbing call should be that stressful, you know. But in his mind, um, anyway, it appeared to be a plumbing issue, but it wasn't. Uh, as he was talking about this issue, uh, I said, I said, there's got to be, Jim, are you okay? Is there something else going on in your life here? And he just stopped and looked at me. He's like, yes, I'm so panicked. I couldn't sleep last night. I'm so full of anxiety. I mean, he just spilled it out all over me uh, of, of what he was struggling with. He said, I feel like I'm about to die. I can't handle this. And I was like, man. And I just started telling him, I was like, well, I believe in Christ. I start my day off asking the Lord to direct my steps. Am I supposed to go here or there? It's like, I'm supposed to be here to, to encourage you, man. Um, can, I, can I just pray with you right now? And he said, please pray with me. He was so desperate for help. And I put my arm around this stranger that I just met 10 minutes ago and just started praying in the Holy Spirit and asked the Holy Spirit to just come and bring a spirit of peace, calm the storm that's going on in Jim's heart. And we just I had an amazing prayer time led by the Holy Spirit. And, and then after that, he was, I could just feel the relief come over him. And he even began to pray. And say, Lord, please help me to get over this and, and just help me to know you again like I used to know you. And he just struggled through that whole time. And, and near the end, as we started to talk, he was just, he had such a spirit of peace come over him. And it was like, so let me go check on that plumbing issue. <laughs> and believe it or not, there was not a plumbing problem in that house. There was nothing wrong. He kept hearing drips, 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 and I couldn't find it. It, it just didn't happen when I was there. It, I was there to just minister to him, <laughs> encourage him. It, that's, that's exactly how it was, that, that particular opportunity. So I would have missed that if I was all about my, my day, my tasks. And, and how many of those days do we miss like that just because we're not, we don't have the radar on to see the value of each person? I remember 
a few a few months before that, uh, actually two years ago, actually, um, an older couple, um, Robert was his name. You know, talked about his golf game a lot. We just had conversations over over the few service calls we had. Uh, well, two years ago, I saw him laying in the couch, and he was very sick, and he actually had a tumor, and it was just kind of protruding from his head, and it was just like very clear there was a real problem, and mm. his wife was telling me about how severe the problem was, and, and she kind of whispered to me, it's like, he, he only has a month to live. I was like, oh, I just had such compassion for him and her for what they were going through. And so after I'd finished my plumbing call and on the way out the door, I said, I said can I just pray with y'all? You know, he kind of felt awkward about it, but I said, I just believe that God can heal and he wants to give peace. She said, please pray. And I just prayed and asked God to completely heal him and bring peace on this house mm. and that the light of Jesus Christ would fill this place and show himself and drive out the darkness because I felt a spirit of darkness there. So I left that place feeling like I did what God wanted me to do. I was there for a reason, you know. I hadn't heard from, from her about, for about a year, but I got an emergency call from her about a, a, a toilet issue. Anyway, I went over there. I was thinking, gosh, these are the people that I prayed for. I wonder if, what, what it's like there. I felt a little awkward about talking to her about him because I didn't see him. And uh, so I went throughout the house and fixed the problem. Came back outside thinking, I guess he died. That's really sad. And uh, walked out the door on the way to the truck, and I saw him sitting in the rocking chair. I was like, Robert, you're alive. It's <laughs> like, hallelujah. And, and he just like, yeah, I'm alive. I think he forgot that we pray, but, I mean, I know that the Lord healed that guy. He didn't have any trace of cancer in him. I was like, Wow. I could have missed that opportunity to pray. I believe that God had me there for that reason. So, I mean, that's just another opportunity that God gave me. You know, I get opportunities like that a lot. Mm. And so I don't want to miss them. He wants me to be a witness. Tell another story, oh, Jeff, about the high school coach teacher guy that was a part of the Israeli army and all yeah. that, that kind of narrative. I, I felt like that story was so powerful how the Holy Spirit drove that one. That was a cool one. And I still, I'm going to get together with him down the road, too. Um, Steve, I, I did a job for him uh, doing some plumbing work, fixing some pipes. He hung out with me the whole time. Teacher, prof um, coach of a high school, uh, retired. But uh, while I was working, I just asked him, hey, so what's your, where are you on your spiritual journey, Steve, since we were talking a lot? And he just kind of looked at me. He's like, I knew you were going to ask me something like that. It's like, I'm an agnostic, man. I don't, I don't believe in God. It's like, really? Okay. So I just uh, said, so how come? Why don't you believe in God? And then he went on to tell me uh, that he was in the Israeli army back in 1973, the Yom Kippur War, and had a lot of buddies that he saw just killed right in front of him, horrific ways. And he couldn't handle how God could do that to him. How could God do this? How could God allow this to happen to my friends? And, and suffering that goes on in the world. I just, I'm sorry, I just have a hard time with it. And it's like immediately I, you know, I wanted to say something, but the Holy Spirit said, just be quiet and listen. And I just listened to him. And I had compassion. I had the compassion of the Lord for him, just listening to where he's really coming from. And finally I was like, 
I just said, Steve, man, I'm with you. I've, I've, I understand the suffering because I've lost my own son to a brain tumor back in 2001. And he died in my arms. And it kills me. And we struggled through it. We cried out to God, and, and he wasn't healed. And we, there's so many things that, that we struggled with and, and we didn't have answers for. It's like, so I know what you're talking about, losing somebody you love. It's like, we know the pain of that. We know the pain. And then, but I said, but, but I'm not bitter through it. Believe me, I really feel like I trust God that he knows what's going on. And he's a redemptive God. He's going to redeem these things in our lives. It's like, that's been the strength that I have, Steve. I said, I'm like, I believe God is real and he's true and he loves us. And that Jesus, the true Messiah, has died for our sins. And he's got a redemptive plan for us. So we talked for about an hour and didn't even hardly do any plumbing. And on the way out, what was so cool is that he said, hey, Jeff, I'd like to continue this story with you sometimes. Like... <laughs> You need to come over and hang out in my garden. We'll talk some more. It's like, that's awesome, Steve. Let's do it. And so, I mean, that was a God power encounter. Hmm. Yeah. What does it look like this week for you? Seriously. How is the Holy Spirit going to work in your life to give you a divine intersection, kind of divine moment to share the hope that's within you. I mean, you talk about what you value. Like Benji said, if you're just open, the Holy Spirit will go, there, there it is right there. Listen to this story. Listening to Jeff, I would write, teach just for a second here, I would write down the acrostic lips, L-I-P-S, L-I-P-S. Because here's what really I believe the Holy Spirit uses to give us opportunity to minister. You listen, what's your story? You inquire, there's going to be things that are said and it's like I need a little bit more information there. What, what, tell, me, tell me what you mean by that. You process, then you share. You don't just assume and share. And I promise you, when you are able to do the lips thing, I need to listen a little bit more here. I don't have enough information. Because leadership is when information is absent, we're all quick to write our best script as what the conclusion should be. We make assumptions pretty quick as people, even as evangelicals. So if we're not careful, we start to make quick assumptions. And it's like, no, tell me more of your story. I, I want to hear where you're coming from. And as Benji was sharing about this guy he's been talking to, no, tell me your story. Tell me your story. And the Lord just says, don't say anything. Just listen. We had this conversation this week, L-I-P-S, lips, listen, inquire, process, and then share. We were talking this week, Jeff and, and a friend of ours, and uh, we were talking about this. Uh, our buddy was talking about how in his before surrender days, I guess that would be BS days, before surrender, that's a different way to look at it. <laughs> I would rather use BC before Christ, but I was like, it's really before surrender, he acknowledged Christ. But anyway, I didn't mean that thought to come out. It just hit me. But here's the, here, here, here's, here's the true thought. He, he was talking about how he, with these buddies, have always kind of got together around Christmas 
at a, at a Mexican restaurant, probably with a few margaritas and whatever, and tamales and hang out and celebrate Christmas. And, but these guys don't want with the Lord. And a lot of the guys had some church introduction when they were 10, 12, 15 years old. But the one guy kind of wrote this text the other day, basically uh, of saying that because life is kind of tough right now, he was going to go get hammered and drown his sorrows. And he's like, how do I respond to that? That's a great question, right? When a person says something along that line, how do I respond to that? And I think it's so simple because we can do it. But if you write down the words I, we, and he. I used to think that celebrating with alcohol or medicating with alcohol or sedating with alcohol was what you did. Any occasion was an occasion to get hammered and drunk. I used to do that. We know that that's a dead end. We know that it leads to more misery than it does any type of hope or peace. We know that it's an expensive habit that ends up destroying your own life as well as your family. I, we, he changed my life. I met him about five years ago, he, after much prayer, removed the taste for alcohol out of my mouth and put a new taste in my mouth for something deeper. You can share that. So as Benji and Jeff were sharing just about opportunities and you pray and it's like, Lord, would you please lead me? I don't know what to talk about. Would you please show me the common ground? I promise you when you go I, it disarms when you go we, it establishes common ground. When you go he, it's the trump card. But if you go he without I and we, you'll come across like a Bible thumper. And I think that was even the comment that Benji shared about the guy when he first went to work at this gym. That, Is he going to come in here just beating people over the head with a Bible or whatever? It's like, no. Because there's certain evangelicals that have that reputation. And it's been said, Beware of the man who only has a hammer in his toolbox because everything looks like a nail to him. Everything's not a nail. Everything's not to be, to be beaten. We were having the conversation uh, with, with one of our friends uh, whose brother uh, had toyed and attempted suicide. And his friend was going to see his brother. And... Uh, we prayed before he went to see his brother yesterday. And uh, he had an hour and a half conversation with his brother. And he reached out to Benji after that conversation. And he reached out to me. And he's like, what do I say to him when I get there? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think I would just look at him and tell him, I, I love you. What do you want to talk about? I don't know. And my friend was sharing that this brother opened up like never before, and this brother disclosed things like never before. And so the brother looks at our friend and says, what, what do I do next? The brother claims to be more agnostic atheist. He has really no God-style worldview. Uh, what do I do next? Based on the way that we were kind of brought up or the training that we got, the, the teaching would have been, you need to get in church right away. And my Buddy said, I told my brother, Here, here's what I would really recommend to you right now for where you're at. 
He said, because I was praying, asking the Holy Spirit, what, what do I tell him? What's the next step? He goes, I've, I've got a friend named Benji. Would you, would you be open to meeting Benji? Because uh, what you need is physical activity, and Benji's doing some training with people. Would you meet with Benji? He goes, I'd be open to it. And what my friend was saying is he knows that the number one cure for depression is physical activity. So if we can get him involved in physical activity, we got him going in the right direction. If he hooks up with Benji, he's going to be around some other people that are working out in community. Community is going to provide that space for him to be able to interact with others. What he don't know, the brother who attempted to end it, is that these believers that my friends point them to all have a really solid walk with Christ and they want to love him and pray for him and intercede for him, but they're going to listen and inquire process before they ever share. And you would go, well, wouldn't you want to tell somebody to go to church? He don't believe in God. He needs to believe in he's got purpose for living. Let's, let's, let's start there. But I don't know what the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit may reveal himself to that kid today like he did the Apostle Paul on the Damascus Road. I don't know what God wants to do. But if you're really listening to the Spirit, what is God telling you the next step needs to be? So, I mean, hit that, uh, if you will, that Romans 10, uh, Benji, because that is such a strong passage right there, buddy. Yeah, I want to come back to that because I forgot to touch on it earlier. Romans 10, starting in verse 14, says, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? It is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. How is anybody going to ever hear? And I was reading, I want to touch base on this again too. I didn't mention this earlier, but I was praying this morning and came across this, and I'll read it anyway. Hang tight. Psalm 30. I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord, my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. Sing the praises of the Lord, you his faithful people. Praise his holy name, for his anger lasts only a minute, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. When I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. Lord, you have favored me. You have made my royal mountain stand firm. But you hid your face. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. What is gained if I am silenced? What if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim, will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, Lord, and be merciful to me. Lord, help me. You turn my wailing into dancing. You remove my sackcloth and clothe me with joy that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. People want to know that their mourning can be turned into joy the next day. People want to know that as they fall down into the pit that they can be lifted up, and though it hurts at times, and though there's frustration, that God's favor can last with them forever. And how is anybody going to ever know that if you don't get up out of your seat and go do something? You've got to get up, guys. I, was, I mentioned earlier that in the Casting Crown song, I've been just kind of pondering and listening to if we are the bodies, if we're the body, why aren't his feet moving? Why aren't his hands working? Why aren't we showing love? Why aren't we giving peace to people and showing them that there's a way? But somebody's got to get up and move. Mm. That's right. 
so here, here's my encouragement. What is God saying to you right now? What, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you? Who, who are the people you're sharing with? This guy was an A at the gym talking about apathetic toward the things of God. At least he's become interested in conversation. Cool. Who are the A's in your life you're sharing with? Who are the people that are becoming interested ask, asking questions right now? Who are the people that have battled things that are still trying to get healthy? Thank you so much for watching the message today. We hope that this message inspired you and challenged you as you watched it. I encourage you to check out our website. It's thecrossloganville.org. There's a lot of information about our church there uh, that maybe can help you answer some questions about who we are. And don't forget that on our website we have old messages and archived series so you can spend a lot of time there learning and exploring. If you have any questions, you can contact us via the web or you could call us at the church at 770-554-3322. Thanks again for watching.